This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We turn our attention to another important uh, story looking into the work of the NPAs, the National Prosecuting Authorities Missing Person Task Team. And uh, my guest is going to be uh, the head of the task team, Madeleine Fullard. And really, the task team has been keeping the public informed on progress it is making in investigations and exhumations of those whose deaths were politically motivated. And this is an important piece of work, by the way, which, I mean, is still part and parcel of the redress of our past injustices that we were touching on with John Steen Hayes and earlier, because what it allows is to bring healing and closure to some families that have been searching for their loved ones that disappeared due to political killings at the height of apartheid uh, state violence. And um, in so we talked to the head of the task team. Uh, Madeleine, good morning and welcome to Power Talk. Hey, Lukona, I'm so thrilled to talk with you. <laughs> we always talk We always talk on we the do. socials, uh, <laughs> not necessarily uh, di- directly, Madeleine, but thank you so much for making the time. I mean, you continuously update us on this work, but perhaps do remind us of your mandate exactly. What is it that you can do and can't do? And how do people or how do you take on cases that are before you? All right, so uh, basically our mandate emerges from the work of the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which looked into disappearances, but, you know, the TRC only existed for a short period of time. So one of the recommendations the TRC made in its report, um, and this recommendation was accepted by government, was that uh, a task team should be set up in the NPA to carry on the work of trying to trace the fate and whereabouts of people who disappeared in political circumstances between the years of 1960 and 1994, and then to try to recover their remains for the families if they are in fact deceased. So that's our mandate. And um, the task team was set up in around 2005. It's a very small task team. Mm. We are two forensic anthropologists who specialize in the human skeleton, and the rest, uh, eight of us, are investigators. And, um, yeah, uh, we have a range of different kinds of cases uh, ranging, you know, across the political spectrum, actually. People tend to think we just work on cases of people who disappeared at the hands of the security forces. But we actually have cases of people who went into exile and never returned, people who disappeared in conflict between organizations like uh, between the ANC and the IFP, for example, and and so on, yeah. Now so Ma- that's that's our mandate. Madeleine, how 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 much is the demand of of your work? I mean, when you are saying, I mean, a team of ten that sounds extremely uh, small to me, given uh, you might need a lot of research, a lot of forensic work that's done, as you are talking about the forensic mm-hmm. anthropologists, and a, a quite a significant amount of equipment as well, and and developing technologies that help you yes. to do your work better. How, would you say you are getting adequate support in that respect? Well, I must say, uh, throughout our work, we, we've always got fantastic support from all levels of government, from local government. And let me just give a shout out to City of Ikuruleni, who seconded two officers to assist us. Um, and, you know, national government departments, Home Affairs, SAPS, 
you know, it's it's kind of the issue of missing persons is one that just brings people together. Mm. Everybody understands that families who are still experiencing the pain of loss, who don't know what happened to their loved ones from that time of conflict, uh, really need that support. So I, I have to say that we've got no complaints about the level of support. Um, well, you know, resources are tight. Um, we could probably do with a few more hands on deck, but uh, we do manage. And um, it's we have managed to make good progress on a number of cases. We've recovered the remains of around 175 people inside the country so far. Mm. There are cases where sometimes we're only able to recover information and the remains themselves can never be recovered because of the way the person was killed or disposed of. And in those instances, we sometimes do what we call spiritual repatriations yeah. or symbolic reburials with the families where we take them to the place of death or as best as we can establish it and the family can perform rituals and so on there. So it's not always... In fact, it's probably a minority of cases where we will actually be able to recover remains. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, Lane, at some point we had seen a an instance reporting around, it was a few years back, I think it was the Glenroy Farm in Dududu where there was a discovery of a mass grave. Uh, were you, did, you get, did your team ever get involved in that uh, type of uh, case or was that handed over uh, to the SAPs and other uh, authorities? Yeah, there were other authorities involved. We did go in one instance to do a site assessment and our forensic anthropologists uh, conducted excavations. We didn't find any remains there. Um, and the author- local authorities undertook to go back and obtain better information. So if more information comes to light, we will go back there. But at this point, no remains were recovered at the site. Yeah. Now, I mean, Madeleine, how is your process? So if you have been pointed to, I know that at some point, uh, people who were perpetrators of these crimes would actually take uh, some authorities to the site and say, well, this is where somebody's buried. Once you've exhumed the body, what is the process that you actually embark on to confirm the relationship between the person and a particular family and then hand over the body to the family for reburial? Mm, mm. So that comes at quite a late stage in the process. I would say about 80% of our work is actually the investigation process. Mm. So that by the time we actually put spade in the soil, we've got very solid information. So maybe Um, take us through then that investigative process because it seems to be the most elaborate part, as you suggest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that does involve, you know, interviews with the families, interviews with witnesses. We do also at times try and interview possible perpetrators um, at uh, when he was still alive, we worked with uh, Dirk Kutsia as well. Um, when de Kock was, Eugene de Kock was still in prison, we, we worked with him as well. And we have approached other former members of the security police in, in cases that involve the security forces. Um, and then we, we, we basically try and develop a hypothesis about the possible location uh, for excavation. And then when the excavation starts, we work basically using archaeological principles Mm. of recovery. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not just using uh, spades and shovels and just digging it out, but we do it very slowly, um, recovering all evidence at the site. And then once, if we recover remains, then uh, we will take them back to the lab and do forensic examination to look for any signs of you know, injury, develop a biological profile of the person in terms of age, sex, height, uh, any injuries that are evident. Um, We'll also interview the family for 
like what we call anti-mortem information, uh, dental information, any injuries that they may have experienced in life that would be visible on the bones, any broken bones that may have healed and so on. We have a lot of information to match against the person. And in some instances, we are able to identify the person just through that process. Mm. Sometimes, for example, we may have recovered police photographs of the body uh, that have very, or a post-mortem that describes the injuries in great detail, and we're able to do an identification through that process. If not, um, and I would say it's in about 50% of the cases, we then do DNA tests um, and bone DNA technology, because obviously we're yeah. dealing with people who have been uh, dead for a very long period of time, over 20 years, and these remains are all skeletonized. So we, we, we're working with bone technology, which is really quite a new technology. And um, we then move on to DNA, where we take uh, reference samples from family members and we match them to a sample from the skeletonized remains, possibly a tooth or um, a small sample cut from the bone. And then hopefully we get a match. Um, of course, sometimes we don't, and then it's back to square one. And that means our hypothesis was wrong, and mm. we have to start the investigation again. And I'm, I, yeah. I certainly have no doubt it can be quite an emotional process, even very for much, the families that so. uh, you are dealing with. I mean, one would wonder, how is it that you have been able to be part of this work for so long? Um, how do you just keep going? Yeah, well, I'm sure you've observed I'm not totally always mentally stable, the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, uh, there, there are moments, you know, where we would say in my language, <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, the, the most important thing is that it's incredibly rewarding and the most wonderful moment. I always say it's like finding the most precious treasure in the world when you are able to recover someone's child and and bring them home to their family. There's actually nothing, there's nothing better than that. And I think that's what keeps us going. Um, and I know it's a very, very painful process, but at the same time, it is also a moment of the end of a long journey for the family. Mm. Um, and sometimes the answers aren't what they expected. You know, we don't even use the word closure, really, because sometimes... Um, the information is is not what the family expected. Sometimes we've discovered that, for example, it was an uncle in the family who called the security police. Absolutely. Um, uh, or, um, you know, other painful bits of information that emerge along the way. And there are very difficult ethical uh, challenges along the way. You know, we recover information or photographs of the bodies, and then we have to dis- discuss, do the families want to see these photographs? Our principle is always that the families have been denied information along the way, and it's not our job to censor anything, and we must give the families the option. So we describe what we've uncovered, what we've found, and we leave it up to them to decide what they want to see, what they want to know, and so on. Yeah. But it's not easy. It's not easy. I can, I can understand. Let's yeah. just take a short yeah. uh, break, Madeleine, and I'll come back to you. I'm in conversation with the head of Missing Persons Task Team at the National Prosecuting Authority. The line is 0861-987-000 if you may have any question for her. Power Talk with Luke Honam Call 
Paul Lukona on 0861-987-000. And do tweet me at Lukona Mguni, hashtag Power Talk. Madeleine, I've got two questions for you um, sure. on Twitter. One is uh, that you, you you deserve a national order for the presidency. From the presidency, you are doing sterling work, bringing closure to distraught families. Can you just share more on the last two bodies of the Mamelodi 10? Kudos to her. I mean, I know that that's something you've been working on uh, for the longest time. And then the second one is, uh, I should ask you if you have given up on Mbuisa Makubo uh, or you are still looking. Okay. All right. Just to update on the Mamelodi 10, um, that was one of the first cases we we worked on uh, back in 2005. And um, we recovered nine of the bodies and we could not locate the tenth. It was very frustrating. And after, uh, I think, about two or three years, the families decided that we should go ahead and bury the nine and mm. leave a place for the tenth. And, you know, intermittently, we would go back to Winterfeld Cemetery, which is where the bodies had been buried as paupers. Um, but, you know, there was no numbering system in the grave. It was pretty, you know, ad hoc. Yeah. Um, and... We would dig occasionally and try again, um, and we were just getting nowhere. And then um, about two years ago, we decided to use um, a drone uh, to do aerial photography of Winterfell Cemetery, and we used the, the kind of fine aerial mapping that it, it was able to generate to delineate new areas for excavation. And in that process, one day we found the last of the Mamalodi 10, and I tell you, it was the most... Wow wonderful, amazing moment. And um, we are, he hasn't yet been handed over because shortly after we uh, we recovered the remains, you know, there was COVID and lockdown. So uh, the the handover will probably happen. Uh, The the Minister of Justice will do the handover. I think once, you know, the conditions are felt that it's, 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 it's feasible. Yeah. Um, because you know the families are very elderly, and it's it's sort of high risk to put people together in a, a large group gathering of, of sorts. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, so that that was really an absolutely amazing moment. There are still um, four activists from Mamalodi that we are still looking for in Winterfeld. Mm. So it's not quite the end of the road for us in terms of Winterfeld Cemetery, but at least getting the last of the Mamalodi 10 was extremely exciting and really overwhelming. And what was really sad, though, is that the, the, one of the mothers actually collapsed and died. Oh, uh, no. The, later that day, I mean... She heard we were going to. We did the exhumation, and later that day, she collapsed and died. But I mean, she knew that we had. It was really so dramatic. So mm. we've been on such a long journey with those mothers. Mm, mm. Um, just, the, just to turn the, to the Makubu one. Mm. Yeah, Mbuiza Makubu. We have been working on that. Um, our it's, it's a very complicated situation um, because the investigation really has to take place in Nigeria from our perspective, and we wanted to do some excavations in Nigeria um, as well. And again, um, COVID, I think we're just waiting until, um, you know, vaccinations and, and COVID. So you're um, saying you're, le- you're lead, you do at least have well, a lead. Well, um, the, we, we feel that there are some possibilities that must be explored in Nigeria as well. Mm, yeah, mm. basically that's, that's um, the angles that we have been looking at at the moment are that there must be some 
some some work that must be done in Nigeria. So the the Canada mm-hmm. one is sort of uh, well, out of the um, question. That 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 wasn't our our area Your of area, work. Okay. That was we didn't follow up that angle. The, the angles we were working on were Nigeria ones, and we do think that they they should be exhausted as well. Okay. We're not saying that the there's something lie in there. Nigeria, absolutely, but, but we do think that there is an angle that must be explored there in let, Nigeria. Let me just take yeah. Zweli quickly on the line. Good morning, Zweli. Hey, sir, how are you? Very well. How are you? Fine, thanks, man. Can I address uh, Ms. Marilyn? Yes. Hi, uh, Ms. Marilyn. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Good to speak with you. Yeah, after two to three years, but now finally I got you. Ma'am, you remember that case of uh, Ruben Sheikh Malunga, who was uh, from Soweto, Shawelo? Yes, Ruben Malunga, yes. Yes, yes. yes ma'am. So we're dissatisfied. Now I hear you after so many years on the radio addressing issues of people who went to exile. So yes. man, we've been calling you, wanting updates. So unfortunately, you never came back to us. Since you promised us that you are going to investigate with the two former police officers from Soweto, you yes. never came back to us. We yeah. tried to call you. You don't return our calls. We leave you voice messages. Man, we're unsatisfied, you know. Can okay. you please assist on that regard? All right. Okay. We haven't Thank yet traced really. those. Thanks, thanks, really. Uh, we haven't yet traced those uh, police officers from Soweto because we don't have their full names. Um, and at the moment, uh, government is busy working on a, uh, a policy for repatriation of remains from exile. Mm. We haven't really been able to work on exile cases so far. We've only worked inside the country. Okay. Um, and Ruben Malunga went into exile and reportedly died in exile. So we hope that in the coming years, now that the repatriation policy, I believe, has been approved in cabinet, um, we hope that we will be able to do significantly more work on exile cases. Which, I mean, I suppose someone listening and saying you're exploring the Nigeria link to Makubu might then want to say, what of the many others that might still be, whether it's Angola, Zambia, and and, and any other place where people may have died um, yeah, all uh, of the exile cases are certainly ones where um, we've only been able to do work from here on those cases, you know, interviewing people locally. But mm. we haven't been able to really um, go and do excavations or um, the kind of necessary work that is needed to recover remains outside the borders of the country yet. When you look yeah. at your caseload today, how is it looking, Madeleine? Um, well, as I said, um, We've we've worked mainly on the internal cases inside the country. Um, I think the the workload that is still pending, as I said, is the exile workload. And that is really a big, a a very large group of cases that is really still looming large. And I think the families have been very, very frustrated around that. Um, And that's been very difficult to deal with. There's Mm. a lot of frustration around that. Um, particularly with the parents getting elderly, some of them passing away in, in the years that have passed. But we hope that that we can start tackling that very significant workload of yep. the exile cases. Okay. Madeleine, thank you so much for joining us this morning here on Power Talk. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.